0: Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Well, hello
1: and welcome to the very first premiere episode of the HRN Happy Hour. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Mosman-Wadler. I'm the executive director of Heritage Radio Network. I'd like to welcome our other co-host, Kat Johnson, communications director at HRN. Hi, Kat. Hello. And extra special guest, Patrick Martins, founder of Heritage Foods USA and, importantly, Heritage Radio Network.
2: Thanks for having me. (laughs) Isn't (laughs) this this your third one?
1: This is our first live Mm. show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Those first two, we did a couple of practice pilots, but um, they are securely locked in the archives. Never to be seen or heard from again. So what is this show? So this is going to be a variety show. We're going to talk about what's going on with HRN. We're going to talk about what's in the news. We're going to feature some special guests, a lot of our friends from the neighborhood, um, really highlighting what's going on in Bushwick around uh, Roberta's. And, uh, you know, anything else that's kind of coming up that week. Um, so we're going to be Thursdays at 5 Eastern. And uh, we hope that many of you will come back and join us weekly for our happy hour.
2: Um, this is going to be a launching pad for a lot of content. I, I-, I feel it.
1: I think we're going to have lots of spin off shows.
2: Everyone wants to be with the now. executive directors.
1: <laughs> I hope so, Patrick. That's place to be. Um, So today coming up, we are going to be doing a bit of a preview We're getting ready to go to Charleston next week For the Charleston Wine and Food Festival Where we will also be broadcasting live So please do check us out um, next Friday, Saturday, Sunday For our live broadcasts
2: Second year in a row, right?
1: Second year in a row and double the size this year Mm -hmm. Plus uh, an, an extra full day of live broadcast takeover So we are getting psyched for that And to lead into that, we're going to have a special guest today, Amalia Skatena. We're going to um, talk to her a little bit about party planning in Charleston. Um, But before we get to that, I would also like to highlight uh, and draw everyone's attention to a big announcement that we made this week. Uh, We brought on a new flagship sponsor for Heritage Radio Network. And so we just want to say a huge thank you to Bob's Red Mill for being our biggest supporter this year. And um, they're getting the title of flagship for um, their partnership with us. And we're so happy to be working with them.
2: It's amazing. So now tell us, for people who don't eat grains like myself, who Mm -hmm. only eat meat full time, (laughs) all the time, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and Mm -hmm. snacks, what is Bob's Red Mill? And how can we support them back?
1: Bob's Red Mill is a producer of stone ground flours, but also all types of grains and cereals and great gluten-free products and paleo products. And uh, you have most definitely seen them if you go to the grocery store. They have a huge section in nearly every grocery store. Um, They are awesome because they have a really wide selection of what used to be really difficult to find products. So if you want to find... Um, You know, specialty ancient grains or specialty stone ground rye flour Or if you just want to find a baking mix that's gluten-free but actually tastes great and is easy to make Those are all available for you. They're really reasonable. They're in really reasonable quantities, too So for the the home cook, they're great Um, So look for them in your grocery store and please do support them and support Heritage Radio Network by eating Bob's Red Mill They also have killer oatmeal Oh, really oatmeal, and then, yeah. so you make
2: bread and cakes and things like that with their stuff.
1: Yeah, so they have um, they have baking supplies. They also have um, you know ready to eat foods, and then mm-hmm. um, you know somewhere in between, if you don't want to go fully from scratch, they have tons of different baking mixes, gluten free and gluten full. And a lot of different products that support the paleo lifestyle if you're Mm -hmm. feeling caveman, which I think, Patrick, for you, if you did ever want to incorporate a grain into your diet. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not wearing a shirt
2: right now for everyone who (laughs) can't see. Let me ask. uh, That famous guy, it's a uh, a friendly guy, white beard, uh, on the logo. I do see that in supermarkets all around. Is that just an actor or is that someone? Oh, that's Bob. That's
1: Bob Moore. So this is a real real authentic company. There's no like Aunt Jemima
2: where it's not really her or anything
1: No, no, no. Bob is the actual founder of Bob's Red Mill. It is is his Red Mill. So
2: um,
1: if you continue to listen to HRN uh, on the live stream and to all of our programs, you'll be lucky to hear Bob's voice. Um, he'll be gracing us for some of their mid-rolls, and then uh, we'll also have some special surprises along the way, and uh, I'm I'm hoping you will all learn a lot about the history of Bob's Red Mill. In the meantime, eat their oatmeal, eat their granola. So delicious. Can't go wrong. Um, so thanks to Bob's for supporting HRN. And contact um, Bob's
2: Red Mill if you're out there, if you're listening. Say thanks.
1: And uh, do go to bobsredmill.com slash podcast for mm-hmm. a special coupon for Heritage Radio Network listeners oh. bonus wow well, if I ever bonus. start eating grains
2: I know uh, that's yeah. money.
1: that's where you start <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick we have been talking about doing a network show for a long time and uh, you have been very enthusiastic about getting this started I just wanted to get from you a little bit of a reflection of where we're at now with Heritage nine years into our um, history and uh, what, where you see this show going
2: Well, that's a very interesting question. I wasn't prepared for that. I literally showed up at, like, 4.59 for the show. You didn't prep me with anything. I mean, I... I I did uh, remember, if anyone has listened to the 10,000th episode, one of the remarkable things is the 20 or 30 guests that we had on that show, plus the people that were in studio, weirdly, most of them had been on the main course, because at the time, for the first few years, that was the only show, really, to be on. It lasted two hours, originally. Uh, There was something we called the Q Report, which stood for the Quotidian Report. So, so many people had been on, and I felt that the station needed a new kind of energy a new voice where people could come on visitors it could be chaotic there could be 50 people it could be all Collins. it could be improvised there could be new segments and it launched so you guys are the perfect people to launch it so just a kind of in-house self-produced vice-like you know kind of like uh space where we could talk about current events and you know there's a, it's hard for you guys to ask hosts, oh, could you cover this issue for us? They're already booking guests. They've got a lot on their plate. So a, a place in-house that could talk about the issues important to our listeners. You know, pertinent. Pertinent oh. events. After work, Thursdays at 5. Come by Roberta's. We're hoping to see thousands of people out there clamoring to be on. Mm-hmm.
1: Clawing at the glass, really to get in and be on the
2: show. Double, um, double well, Patrick, we do
1: appreciate your inspiration and uh, and nudging us towards starting off this show. We're pretty excited about it.
2: So I feel like I'm on the uh, sweaty ball Saturday Night Live <laughs> thing. You're two ladies That's with very aspiration. nice voices, <laughs> and some vulgar guy in the middle with wearing four kinds of Who plaid. Is this guy? Well,
3: you're half right, Patrick.
4: That's the goal.
2: Shwetty balls, by the way, the voted the top segment in the history of Saturday Night Live.
4: Over
1: Cowboy?
2: I believe so. Wow! Who did the vote? I believe they did. have. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe Cowboy was number two.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I want to take a second and uh, move a uh, segue on from Shwetty balls to shout out <laughs> our sound engineer in the booth, who you might hear popping in, David Tadashore. He's amazing! Yay!
2: <laughs> oh, thanks, everybody. Thank you.
5: Wow.
2: And well, that's what a great David o- on sound effects. Well, what a, <laughs> what a great audience.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, at this point, I think, Kat, let's take it away and talk about Charleston. Let's
4: do it. Um, We're super excited. We're calling this episode No Sleep Till Charleston because we're literally not going to sleep till we get there. We have a lot to do. Um, We're going to be doubling the teepee, doubling the fun this year. (laughs) Um, So twice the space. Um, We're doing an extra day of broadcasting. Uh, big shout out to Big Green Egg and Springer Mountain Chicken who are going to be, our Springer Mountain Farms, I'm sorry, who are going to be kind of our sponsors down there. And they will be doing demos uh, Saturday and Sunday at RTP, 12 p.m. and 4 p.m. So that's going to be a really awesome time to come by, see what's going on, see who's talking. Um, eat a delicious chicken sausage. Eat chicken sausage. It's going to be hot off the grill. Like, what more do you want? Um Our hosts, Sam Benrubi, Carrie Diamond, and Jimmy Carbone are going to be joining us down there in Charleston. We're also going to have Rob Newton as a guest host, which is really exciting. Uh, Some of the guests we have lined up are Stephen Satterfield... Ruth Reichel, Mashama Bailey, Thomas Rivers Brown, Sarah Moulton, John Lewis, Robert Sterling, and Amalia Skatana. So that's super exciting.
2: What are you going to be asking all these guys? I mean, I've heard them all on radio before. So what's going to be different? Why should we tune in specifically for this?
4: Um... You know, our crack intern team is working on a whole list of new and exciting questions. We have them going back to make sure we're not going to ask people the same exact questions we've asked them before.
0: I've written about 40 questions so far. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give us
2: one. Give us a, a hot question that's never been asked to a food person before.
1: Oh, man. Um, well, there was a lot of questions about where uh, chefs like to eat on their days off okay. and in different places where they're from. So that's always exciting and mm-hmm. gets you excited. Always new those, answer there, right? Yeah. Where to get a good drink nearby if you're going to Charlotte or Charleston or Chicago or Auburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We're also putting together some special panels, Kat, aren't we? Yes.
4: We're going to play some really fun games with chefs, too. We're going to have one panel where we're going to match up two North Carolina chefs, two South Carolina chefs, and make them go at it and play Password with each other. Mm. So I'm excited for like some real friendly or not-so-friendly competition.
2: What about... What did your mom do wrong? <laughs> Cooking for you growing up you inspired know, you like, to yeah. do this. It's, it's yeah.
4: your life's work. <laughs>
2: who, who pissed you off so much that you're like, I'm gonna get into food and open a restaurant? What yeah. happened to you? What was your worst taste experience growing up? Things like that. I anyway. love
4: that. We always ask, what's your like best like last taste? And no, like what's the worst, the worst thing you've ever you ever had to you eat? <laughs>
2: take all
3: this on. Yeah, let's go that. for conflict. That makes great radio. <laughs>
4: totally. It
2: does. Anger, you know, drives a lot of things. Absolutely.
4: Well, the next thing we're going to do as a preview to Charleston is we actually have Amalia Skatena on the phone, and um, we're going to, we will be interviewing her while we're down there, which is super exciting. And she is the director of culinary programs for the Easton Porter Group, where she creates unique dining experiences at Cannon Green, as well as Zero Restaurant and Bar, and Red Pump Kitchen and Pippin Hill Farm and Vineyards in Charlottesville She actually grew up in San Francisco among a kitchen-centric Italian family And she graduated with honors from the Advanced Culinary Arts Professional Program From the Culinary Institute of, Institute of Florence So she has quite a resume and we're really excited to talk to her now as well as in Charleston Hi, Malia. Hey, how are you? Good, thanks for joining us Thanks for having me so this is going to be my first time going to Charleston Wine and Food, actually all of our first time at the festival, but it's actually going to be Katie and David's first time in Charleston at all. So wow. can, yeah, super exciting. Can you give us some pointers of like what, what should be on the top of our list for when we're not working at the festival? Oh
5: my gosh. Well, you have about 50 restaurants that you need to squeeze in somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Might be challenging. Um, You definitely have amazing places for breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee. Um, I can name a few if you'd like that. Absolutely. We need some recommendations. Okay. So you need to get coffee at The Daily. They have everything that you want along with a juice bar, which is super fun. Um, And their sort of sister property is Butcher and Bee, which is great for lunch or dinner. Um, My two personal favorites for dinner would be the Ordinary or Leon's. I want to eat, like, every single bit of seafood from Charleston, pretty much, and I feel like those two places have the best, like, variety of oysters, clams, amazing sort of seafood entrees, small plates. You have to check one of them out.
2: It sounds awesome. What was the first place? This is Patrick. I'm sitting in on uh, the first uh, episode here. But what is like the original place? Like first old school, maybe not as sexy or popular anymore, but just gets credit for having been doing the right thing in Charleston years before everybody else.
5: Um, I would go down to, like, Market or East Bay where Cypress, Magnolias, Snob, places down there kind of by the market would be your best bet for kind of your old-school Southern restaurants, Ansons. Anywhere down by the market, you're going to find that more traditional kind of Charleston hometown feel.
2: What about breweries? If people want to get beer and just hang out, what would you recommend? What are your top beers down there?
5: Top beers? I wouldn't know so much about. I'm more of the wine bar.
2: Mm-hmm. So tell us about those.
5: Wine bar would be Goat Sheep Cow is my absolute favorite for wine tasting. They have the most beautiful cheese and charcuterie selection. It is a must if you're coming here. Mm-hmm.
4: Awesome yeah there's really great wine down there in Charleston I'm excited to to explore um, so Amalia you your restaurant is kind of unique in that a big focus for you is on events and specifically weddings um, we actually have two brides to be in the studio with us right now um, Katie as well as Jordan one of our interns can you give them some advice on how what are, like, the one or two things that you recommend to brides or wedding planners to, like, make their reception easy and perfect and just so they can enjoy that without having to stress about the details?
5: Well, I think that if you have some signature elements are really important, like a signature cocktail, a raw bar, something like that to kind of showcase Charleston, um, both of those are just really fun elements. But it's definitely important, I feel like, for brides to eat at their event. I feel like yes. they're doing so much chatting that it's hard. So I think that, like, the hors d'oeuvre canapé section of the event, it's really important that, like, those are fun and specific to you. Cool.
1: That sounds great. I, I love the rob bar idea. I'm hoping that we can swing one. We're, we're getting married in Maine, so it's a pretty good setting for that.
5: We just started this new, we're about to launch it, and it's kind of like the traveling oyster shucker. So during (laughs) your kind of, like your more traditional rock bar, everything is sort of set up on ice. And this is the same kind of philosophy, but there's someone that's walking around who's shucking the oyster, kind of mingling in with your crowd like a past hors d'oeuvre. That's awesome. Which is a really fun element.
2: As a former bride uh, at a wedding, um, I would say also not making people wait for drinks. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always huge lines. And then this is, I, I learned from Alice Waters, no matter what, it's always the best, it's always the easiest, and it always saves the most space, one communal table that
0: connects yeah.
2: everyone and and a bunch of rounds everyone's on an island but at one communal table a you increase the number of people you can converse with waiters can go between the tables and everyone is one i always like that as a former bride anyway <laughs> actually patrick i think we have your uh your bride on the line as a matter of fact ah. what and saxoby she is actually organizing a Bridal party, bachelorette, bachelorette trip. party. Yes. And in I, Charleston.
4: Yeah. And I'm actually going to one in May in Charleston and Jordan. So Amalia, I've heard that you actually just plan. I think your sisters.
5: Yeah, my sister in law. I just had hers here um, about three weeks ago. Okay. So what do we do? Like,
4: how do we plan this without like going insane?
5: So what we did, which I thought was really fun, is we did, like, a chill, relaxing day followed by, like, a really fun, glam kind of party day. So the relaxing day was mani-pedis. We did a Pilates session together, which was really fun. Followed by shopping on King Street, and then we just got a dry bar here, so we all went and had our hair done and got fun hairstyles, and then we went out to the Ordinary, which is like no surprise for me. <laughs> um, and then the next day, we did which was totally out of my comfort zone, but we went. She's like this crazy Beyonce fan, so we went to Dance FX, this studio. And basically learned this, like, choreographed Beyonce dance class thing, which was a lot of fun for everybody. You basically just, like, have, you know, your shirts with, like, the bedazzled shirts that say different things on them, and then we learned this, like, Beyonce dance class. It was really fun. I would highly recommend that for a bachelorette party. I think it's sort of out of the box.
4: See, I love that because I love, like, skipping the whole, like, bar crawl, you know, pub crawl, the wearing the sash and the tiara is like that's super fun in one way. I've done that before, but also right doing something different and like that fits the personality of the bride I think is really
1: important.
5: Yeah, this was very different. There were no sashes involved. It was not like your sort of traditional bachelorette weekend. It was very like You know, we did the dance class, Pilates, we, like, had really good food. It wasn't about – it wasn't your traditional thing. But I would definitely do the dance class, and you can do it however you want. Like, I just had a girlfriend call and say, well, they teach everyone how to twerk, and I thought that was, like, really
2: fun for a group Mm -hmm. of friends. (laughs) So, hey, Ann, are you on Anners?
3: No, she she dropped off. I'm going to try and get her back.
2: Okay. Where are you guys? Do you guys have places that you guys have picked? I mean, what have you guys heard? Where are you reserving your dinners?
4: Yeah, so mine's kind of interesting because it's my uh, boyfriend's sister, and so the maid of honor's 16. It's their other sister, so I'm kind of like helping her out plan, and so I basically just wrote like an itinerary, like, here's some places we're going to go. I picked some restaurants.
2: Which ones?
4: Uh, Hominy Grill, Okay. Nice. Um,
2: Robert Sterling. Where else?
4: I don't want to say too much in case she listens. Like it's all supposed yes. to be a surprise. Oh, I see. You know? It's um, supposed to be a surprise, but I'm the one sending all the restaurants to the people that are supposed to be planning it. For me. Yeah.
1: Oh, what are you surprising yourself with? Um, I
4: definitely want to go to Leon's. That was on the list. Yeah. And I was
1: looking at.
4: A little bit of a bar crawl, but what I really want is a biscuit crawl. So if you could help me come up with places to um, get my Yankee attitude down there (laughs) and have some southern biscuits, I would love those suggestions.
2: Now, hey, there is a bar there. There's a big brewery. And then down the block, two blocks down, is a bar that's a little like a speakeasy. And I believe it's owned by two women. And it's kind of under a train track or something like that. Do you know which one I'm talking about?
4: that the Gin Joint? Is that what we
2: were? Is the Gin Joint? Yeah.
4: Is yeah. that right? Could be. Yeah. Yeah, the Gin Joint's Very great. Cool. I love the Two gin women joint.
2: are always there. They own it.
4: Yeah, they uh You get to like pick two adjectives and they build a drink for you. Exactly. Yes. Just tell
2: them how you feel. I love yeah, that's it. it. so smart. Nice.
4: It's one of my favorite places in Charleston actually. Definitely on the list. Yeah. Well, um Amalia, are you still there? I'm here. Cool. Well, do you have any, like, parting uh, parting words of wisdom for any of us traveling down for a bachelorette party to Charleston?
5: I think just don't eat for, like, at least three days because you <laughs> have so much eating to do while you're here. <laughs> um, nice. And then try and sneak in, like, a little bit of paddleboarding just to sort of, like, work it off would be, like, my advice. But it's going to be such a blast. You really can't go wrong anywhere you go.
4: I love that there's, like, such so many like active things you can do i think that's really important to not just like sit there and eat and drink the whole weekend
5: yeah it's like such a good balance you can eat like biscuits covered in everything and then you can go paddle boarding and like be outside and it's beautiful and feel like you didn't do anything bad that's
0: awesome
4: (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us we are really looking forward to talking to you and meeting you in person when we're down in charleston next week
5: i know i can't wait thank you so much for having me thanks thanks amalia Bye. bye
2: Well, Charleston is a really weird city. There's actually, I think an antique store per person or no for way. every two people. It's truly a walking city. You can walk anywhere there, and there are so many antique stores. you know there's not that many walking cities in America.
4: yeah, I mean, the cool thing about Charleston is the fact that like that entire downtown area is preserved mm-hmm. i mean they are they're literally the, the most strict laws about Mm -hmm. what you can and can't do to the house you own. Um, So when you go to Charleston in 100 years,
1: it's going to look the same as it looks today.
2: And Bill Murray lives there. So of all the places that successful guy could have lived, he chose Charleston.
1: So Bill, if you're listening, please come by our teepee next week. We would love to have you.
2: He is actually famous for just walking into events. Of course, no one asks for his ticket or anything. He can just (laughs) go wherever he wants. He has, I think, six sons down there. There's a great aquarium there. Of course, it is also the place that was the first shot of the Civil War, Mm -hmm. but uh, that is part of our history, so it's important to connect yourself to that as well, and you can take a a boat ride and see the fort and all that, but basically the downtown is just lovely horse and carriages and tons of great places to eat and a nice pace. There's a nice pace in that city.
4: It is nice. I, I really like it. I'm excited for Katie and David to go for the first time. I think they'll enjoy it.
2: Me too. Yeah. I'm psyched. As celebs, everyone's going to want a piece of you guys.
4: <laughs>
2: hey, I'm used to that, Patrick, you know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to move on to some uh, HRN headlines? What?
2: HRN headlines? You
4: yeah, better believe HRN it. headlines, What's Patrick? happening
2: at the side of, What's happening? <laughs> yes. Big.
4: All right, so I'm just going to recap some of like the highlights of what's been going on on HRN this week. Oh. All right, on Eating Matters, host Jenna Lute spoke with guests from FarmAid and Modern Farmer about farmers' overwhelming support for Trump in the 2016 election. Farmers arguably voted against their best interests, so Jenna took a look at possible repercussions the Trump administration will have on the farming community. So. Definitely check that out.
2: Because you know the organizers and founders of Farm Aid were not for Donald Trump. I mean Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp. I mean those guys probably disagree. But it is weird. Farmers are conservative. Yeah. They don't like change, mm-hmm. you know. And even though they see things happening with the war, very strange that they voted. Also, uh, my landlords are Hasidic Jews, and they voted for Trump. Traditionally, Jews don't vote for Trump, but you know, social issues are complicated. Wow. So
4: it's a lot of interesting, like motivations to look at. Yeah. In, in both groups. Yeah, totally. Um, Chris, Mary, and Rachel Affamen about it talk to kimchi, talk kimchi with Kadeem O, oh, chief minister of kimchi at Mama O's Premium Kimchi. That I think such a good job title. His title's great. Absolutely. Um, on Animal Instinct, Celia Kutcher was joined in the studio by Frank Grasso, a professor of psychology at Brooklyn College who was doing research on... Octopuses or octopi, whichever
1: you prefer. Can I give a spoiler here? Yeah, it's octopuses. Really? It's shocking, I know. That's so
2: unromantic. <laughs>
1: but, well, I don't know how can pick it.
2: Octopuses? Yeah. Octopuses, I have a lot of things to say about octopuses. They're extremely intelligent. I heard they hunt in packs. I heard that the Beatles picked that song Octopuses Garden because they traveled around with Jacques Cousteau and found out that octopuses actually decorate the outside of their homes. There's actually some, so cool. just for aesthetic purposes, it's very, very unusual. I also wonder how the movie, James Bond movie, Octopussy, actually got by the censors. And that I could be six years old being like, what's an octopussy, mommy? <laughs> how did they get that? Also, for that matter, in uh, uh, Austin Powers... The two Japanese females, Fukuyu and Fukumi. How did he get that past the censors? Uh, someone, someone paid anyway. off the MPA. Something yeah, about that. Yeah. Sorry, that's my octopus stories. Yeah, that's a. It's a.
4: Well, he's studying <laughs> them. thoughts
2: with Patrick Martins,
3: <laughs> right? Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, he's studying them because they're just like obviously incredibly intelligent animals, and uh, yeah, just super cool.
2: If so. there was ever a humane society for seafood. I believe the octopus would be that poster child because we totally. eat their babies, you know, something that They also live very short time. I think I believe octopuses only live for to be two years old. Oh,
4: is that all? Really? Yeah. And they develop
2: all this intelligence even though they only live to be two.
4: That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean they're so smart. Like the videos of them like breaking out of aquariums to
1: me, like blows my mind mm-hmm. and predicting the outcome of the super bowl is, <laughs> <Yes>. True, true <laughs> yeah let's not forget their psychic powers
2: <laughs> and it's almost served at every restaurant now every fancy restaurant in america has a grilled octopus as an appetizer
4: yeah and you have people who like i won't eat pork because pigs are so intelligent and it's like but yeah, you'll eat octopus mm-hmm. like that no do you guys eat octopus
2: yeah i love the taste uh, but i feel a little bad but
3: well, did you guys yeah. listen to radio cherry bomb uh today no not so uh, it was Ken Friedman uh, who was the guest, and he was saying that that was something he would never eat because he just, you know, he looks into the eyes of an octopus and sees such yeah. intelligence and innocence that he can't bring himself to eat it.
2: Ken Friedman, owner of the Spotted Pig Correct. in yes. Breslin at the Pod Hotels. In the yes. very same.
4: Hmm. Yeah. Mm. That was actually one of my other headlines. Radio Cherry Bomb welcomed Ken Friedman who to talk about the connection between restaurants and rock and roll. Because Ken Friedman was a manager of the Smiths during their short career before he went into restaurants. Those the Smiths? Yeah.
3: The
2: Smiths. The and I could be wrong, but I believe Jay Z and Bono might be co owners of the spotted pig.
1: Bono? I think you're right.
2: Really? I don't know if that's don't off, quote me, but yeah. Oh, that's
1: <laughs> guys, I gotta go real Just quick.
2: Started on the street.
1: I gotta go to the spotted pig. <laughs> i for a burger.
3: <laughs> Bring me back so some uh, chicken liver toast, please.
1: A <laughs> um, couple other um,
4: highlights from this week. Uh, uh, we had an HRN host trifecta on Japan Eats when Akiko welcomed Harry and Michael harlan um of Feast Your Ears and the food scene to talk about the event they're collaborating on, Sumo Stew. So check out that episode and also check out their event, Sumo Stew, because it sounds incredible
2: what's up with those two guys they have similar body types they both are into Japanese sumo they both had books on vinegar come out within two weeks of each other what's going on with those two guys it's a lot of alignment of the planets they look alike sumo, vinegar, who has a vinegar book
1: both you know, of them. It's a, it's a, there's <laughs> an astral connection for sure.
2: Are you advancing um, some conspiracy theory? I, I, I think they might well, have been Siamese twins. At I one would point. have said
1: that like they're actually the same person and they put on a disguise had they not actually both been on Japan Eats together.
2: Well,
3: with the magic of radio, you know, I can make anything happen.
1: <laughs> no, there's no, a picture. I saw the picture. I eyes. saw them together. Yeah. Um, but do check out sumo stew.com for the next sumo stew, which is going to be coming up on March 13th, not to be missed. Absolutely. And finally, our last
4: but not own
3: least,
1: David Tadashwar.
4: Step behind the studio mic to talk about his new podcast, What's the Story on Tech Bites?
3: Oh, wow. What a great audience. So don't
4: think that miss that. I get worn out. Yeah. <laughs> How was how was that, David? Did you enjoy being in the studio?
3: Yeah, it was great. Um, it, the time really does fly by. I mean, everybody says that, so that to the point where it almost sounds cliche. But yeah, forty five minutes went by in a flash. But uh, I was in there with my co producer Brian Farrell, and uh, we we talked uh, all about the podcast. It was great.
1: Were you in character?
3: No, no, no. We did not do it in character. <laughs> we uh, were our Our normal selves, maybe to the disappointment of our fans, but um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it was great. WTSpodcast.com, What's the Story, is a storytelling podcast for the post-truth era. That's right. Nice. We don't let facts get in the way of telling a good story. (laughs) Good,
2: good. You're following the trends of society. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
3: Mm
5: -hmm.
2: Now, you guys just had a big... Board meeting yesterday. Is there anything that can be public about it? I mean, that's part of the news of HRN. I mean, you ran your first board of directors meeting yesterday, both you, Katie, and you, Cat, And you got green lid on everything you brought up and all that. Yeah. But any big news come out of it?
1: Um, Well, basically, all my wildest dreams came true because everybody showed up, which was awesome. It was so amazing. And, uh, yeah, we're really happy to have uh, Akiko Karayama, host of Japan Eats, as our new host representative on the board. She's great. Um, so we have Tony really, we Butler, talked,
2: who runs the largest food bank in Brooklyn. Yep, Joanne St. John's Fleming. Bright and Life,
1: yeah, Flash Fleming. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Jordan from uh, Roberta's, as well as uh, August Cardona, Phil Windsor. Owner of Fat Radish. Yeah, it was a nice group. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And um, we everything just went so well. We passed the budget, and we passed the annual plan. Um, We talked a lot about our goals for the year, and uh, we're really excited because, uh, you know, last year we doubled our listenership, and we're really hoping to do that again this year. Uh, We are just at an amazing point in the technology and the Internet where, uh, as an Internet radio station, we can reach these new audiences all the time. We have tons of room to grow, and I'm hearing, like, people are finding out about us, and, you know, we get emails to our general Inbox from people who are just discovering us, discovering the lineup, wanting to be on shows, wanting to partner. Um, So yeah, feeling really, really excited about our growth. And um, yeah, the the board was happy with our upcoming travels to Charleston. Uh, Uh,
2: I was most excited that Dana Cowan, uh, host of a new show here on HRN, is going to be helping you form an advisory board filled with very interesting people. So I can't wait to hear future episodes of this show to hear who's on that advisory board and what they're going to be up to.
1: Yeah, we should have a segment. Yeah.
2: I was like a, the, on the advisory board? I was the annoying guy at the board being like, letter writing, that's the future. Because I was born in like 1972. I'm like, if we're not writing letters, where do you think we're going to go? And everyone was like, shut up, Pat. I was like, all right, all right. Even Tony was there with a the little high-tech computer device looking through the budgets and making pie charts. I felt like real old school.
4: You were like grilling him about having an iPad. It was hilarious. <laughs> that was my first board meeting ever, and it was it was awesome. <laughs> Quite interesting. I had a good time.
1: Yeah, I had a, I had a fun time too. And then uh, uh, Philip Gilmore was kind enough to host us for an after party at uh, Momo Sushi Shack. All the cool kids yeah, stayed and, after uh, and had yeah, some, yeah. We had some sake. Oh,
3: I must have and missed some my invite. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know. probably got lost in the mail Patrick wanted to mail it to you so you might get it in a few
5: days I still haven't finished the letter yeah.
2: but I will say you know people come to Roberta's all the time and sometimes it's full or there's a long wait a great place to have drinks or to possibly eat an appetizer before coming to Roberta's is Momo Sushi Shack which is also Moku Moku mm-hmm. Phil's a very talented guy Such uh, it's right advice. around the corner from Roberta's
4: yeah don't, don't just wait go next door and like Chill. Don't, I remain. Don't
2: wait in line. I maintain in line. he's the best front of the house guy since Sirio Marchoni, you know, uh, in uh, Le Cirque, because um, mm. he is he practically like masticates the food for you and then like <laughs> spits it in his hand, and somehow it's okay. okay. When who Phil who does at
1: it. this table has not been hand fed by Phil? <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. He loves you guys. He also has a show called The Main Course. Without Patrick Martins.
1: <laughs> without, I love that it. it's without Patrick Martins. It's
4: my favorite thing.
2: <laughs> Most people love that it's without Patrick Martins. <laughs> oh, no, that's a, that was its selling
4: point.
2: I gave that... I allowed them to do that for the show.
4: <laughs> All right. Well, you guys want to wrap it up with this uh, pizza scandal? Don't we wrap everything up with pizza? Pizza gate? No, it's... Well, it's uh, pineapple pizza gate. Oh. New pizza gate. Um, okay, so I'll read this, and then we can, we can uh, discuss. Um, so... There was a pineapple pizza firestorm in Iceland. In answering questions from high school students about pizza and football, the president of Iceland told them that, should he be able to pass laws, he would like to ban pineapple as a pizza topping, igniting a media firestorm. Fans of the topping were outraged, but the pizza purists thought they had found their champion. But by Tuesday, the president had issued a statement. "'I like pineapples, just not on pizza.' I do not have the power to make laws which forbid people to put pineapples on their pizza. I'm glad that I don't hold such power. Presidents should not have unlimited power. I would not want to hold this position if I could pass laws forbidding that which I don't like. I would not want to live in such a country. For pizzas, I recommend seafood. <laughs>
2: He's recommending the most second most absurd topping: fish and (laughs) cheese. What an idiot! Um, (laughs) But he is guilty. That guy's a. No, I gotta say. Do you guys think,
1: like, so? I mean, this is very like media speak. Fans of the topping, but do we think that the topping might be a euphemism,
2: like hair on our president?
1: Well, (laughs) not the literal (laughs) topping, (laughs) but like the topping in question. It might just be a metaphor for, in general, things that we don't like that represent our personal preferences.
4: Oh,
3: see, I thought. I think I it thought t- what Patrick thought.
1: I think just totally <laughs> is.
4: I think it totally is a metaphor for like a lot of things. But it's also really funny that people got so mad about pineapple pizza.
3: We live in the age of outrage.
4: That is
2: true. That is true.
3: That being said, uh, anchovies on a roso is my favorite pizza at Roberta's.
2: Mm-hmm. No yeah, the anchovy is an interesting one cuz that is a fish but barely. It's like uh you know, the underbelly of, you know, I actually like fish on pizza but it, it, Italians don't do it.
1: What What's, about vongole? Isn't that a pizza? Vongole
2: is vongole. just it's not a it, it is. That's just American though. I'm I'm 99% really? sure Italians don't do surf and turf and they don't put uh fish on on cheese. Hmm. I like Mm. shrimp and calamari and snappy fish on cheese, but, I mean, in general, it is weird.
3: Wikipedia says vongole is very popular in Campania.
2: Is With pizza? Well, with spaghetti. Mm. Mm. Mm.
4: Mm.
2: Mm. (laughs) There's no cheese on that. Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: Maybe a little bit
4: Mm. of Parmesan Reggiano,
1: that's it. Well, you know, I think pineapple might kind of get this, like the Hawaiian pizza is maybe a little de classe, but... I think it's delicious. Oh, I do too. I agree with you.
2: Roberta's had a famous one that Brandon, who's on the board, started called The Kine And it does pop up oh, cool. on the menu. And he did get a lot of criticism for it really? early on. But the Times have written about it. And it is a pineapple pizza.
4: So Emmy Squared in um, Williamsburg yeah. also has a really good pineapple and ham pizza. I mean, it just depends. Like, you don't, like, half-ass a pineapple pizza. Like, you're either going to, like, do it really well or not. Like, I can get
1: behind that. If I also good. like the half-ass ones. Yeah, me too. <laughs> especially when they have that like store-bought crust that's like really like doughy, like thick mm-hmm. bread. It's like not even almost pizza. I no. feel like they don't <laughs> even know you anymore.
2: Yeah. Well, the best thing I about mean, pineapple I make my confessions. Pineapple's pizza is that it's almost always local.
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, yeah. I only use Brooklyn rooftop
2: pineapples
1: (laughs) (laughs) and heritage.
3: Locally sourced pineapples. Locally
2: sourced (laughs) pineapple. You know, global warming. This is going to be pineapple country one day. I I mean, with the weather weather. today, I
1: believe it. (laughs) You know those, like, $12 uh, cold-pressed juices? Mm -hmm. And when I first moved to New York, I didn't really know what a thing that was. And I... um, I went into a store I was biking I was super hot and I was like oh yeah lemonade with cayenne that sounds so delicious and I bought it and I, I was like sitting going. down and I just glanced at my receipt I kind of just bought it on autopilot and then it was like $14 and it was before I really lived in New York so I went up to the cashier I was like I think maybe you had the wrong price tag on this lemonade haha. and he's like oh no it's local
3: <laughs> 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 sweetie
2: that's right
1: are you kidding me
2: oh my god Anyway, Some things are not good local. Honey. Local honey. I don't want any bee that's pollinated flowers yeah. on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. Thank you. <laughs> I get sick at the thought of local honey in Brooklyn. Whereas if I was in Texas, local honey would sound delicious.
5: But. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well.
2: All right. This is your first episode. You guys did a very, very good job. This is episode number one.
1: Thanks, Patrick.
2: We're yeah. so glad to
1: have you with us. Thank you. I hope you'll be a regular co-host. Yeah. And you
2: started with the South. How appropriate. So many yeah. of our great cultural traditions started in the South. Jazz, barbecue, and all that. And, so, and I'm
4: from there, too. So I'll put myself in that category. Auburn, yeah, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, why not? Yeah, this was fun. All we right. tried to be prepared, but not too prepared.
3: Yeah, I think we got that. <laughs> and,
2: uh, <laughs> To our Southern (laughs) listeners, aren't you about to be featured in a magazine in the South?
1: Well, yes. Keep your eyes peeled for the upcoming issue of Southern Farm and Garden Mag. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will be in their um, article about Heritage Radio Network and a beautiful advertisement. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, I'd like to wrap it up and say a big thank you to everyone who was part of our show today, especially Patrick Martins for inspiring us to... Launch ourselves into the unknown of having our own show.
2: <laughs> the unknown of radio, <laughs> spoken yep. by the executive director, <laughs> oh brother!
1: Uh, uh, it's it's the, they call it the great unknown, Patrick, because it's going to be great.
2: Oh, okay, got uh, it.
1: Thank you so much to Hallie Crane and Jordan Werner for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks to David in the booth, also known as Mike the Sound Guy. I like David better.
3: Yeah, me too. Thanks, Mike. <laughs>
1: Or JPJ, right?
3: That guy guy Mike's a real jerk. I think Mike's about to kick us off for the
1: next show. Um, And to my co-host, Kat
4: Johnson, thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you. This was fun. Let's do it again next week. Sounds good. Or the week after, because we'll be in Charleston.
1: Well, we are doing it next week, but it's going to be all day Thursday. So stay tuned. And then, yeah, we'll see you back uh, the following week, Thursdays at 5, HR and Happy Hour. See ya.